If you carried on DJing, living on your friend's couch, where do you think you'd be right now? Probably the If there was like some key sort of lessons or advice for people that want to go into real estate development on a similar path to you, then what would that be? I guess that's a great question. It started with networking. So the first thing I did was What is up, everyone? And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. Maximiliano Sanchez. Some of you may know him from his content creations, and others will know him from his rapid rise from zero construction experience to full-time self-employed real estate developer in just seven years. In this episode, we discuss how Max went from music producer to leading innovation at top contractors, the simple tech tools that save time and money on projects, how to create win-win partnerships between developers and contractors, and tips for construction tech founders on proving value. If you're enjoying our podcast, you can support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel. This is an easy and free way which helps us keep the podcast going. Visit www.bricksbytes.show to find links to our YouTube channel and all other socials where you can follow, subscribe and engage with our content. You are listening to Bricks and Bytes podcast, where we take you on a journey in construction, technology and business. All right, let's get this episode started. Okay, so Max, we spoke before and you've obviously mentioned your passion for changing the way we build. So can you share a little bit more about what inspired this passion and led you on this path in construction and real estate? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the best way to explain how I got where I am and where the passion came from is pretty much just to say my story. So might take a little while, but, you know, pause me, uh, at any point, but basically, you know, I was, story, so I was like 24, 25 years old. I was actually, uh, making music, made music for like 10 years, uh, music production, basically like on a MacBook using logic, I was DJing in Miami and I had pretty much like a dead end job selling customized USB drives. So I was literally <laughs> a, a sales manager. So that's what I was doing when I was like, uh, 24 years old. So my family's been in the industry quite some time. Uh, my uncle's a pretty big developer. My dad is a GC and he has uh, some development experience. He's also done, done some construction innovation stuff, but I never wanted to get into the industry. And I was pretty dead set on like not doing anything with it. But basically I got to a point where I essentially came to like an inflection point in my life, which... I think everybody comes into these points and they need to make crucial decisions. And so this inflection point was basically either me going to LA and like couch surfing uh, on one of my friend's couches. He worked for a record label or was it to get in kind of the family business? So ultimately, obviously I'm here now because I made the decision of getting into the family business, but the route I chose was to like learn completely separate from what the family is doing and like kind of going to like a bigger GC. Mm. And so I was looking for jobs and basically I came across Suffolk. Suffolk is a pretty big general contractor down here in Miami. And I was obviously looking for a very important uh, or like something that would actually match who I was. And so I went on their website. It was actually the only contractor I looked up and they had um, what we spoke about before, which is the career start program. Essentially it's a two year rotational program where they teach you project management, the field, and estimating. Basically, the job description literally said, you don't need any construction experience. 
you just need a college degree and we'll teach you everything. And I was like, this matches, you know, what I would like to do. So I applied, um, I followed up like crazy. So any piece of advice for any young ones listening, like follow up, that was my number one thing. I'm pretty sure that got me the job. So I got the job, uh, and they basically, um, put me on a project down here in Miami. It was a 53 story condo development, luxury development building. Uh, and I was there from the ground up. So that's where things got really interesting. It was basically barren land on the beach. And I was privy to seeing kind of like everything that it takes to, to build a high rise. And so the story continues because (laughs) it basically took me two days on a job site to realize how massively flawed the entire industry was. Hmm. So I'll try to keep the story quick, but essentially, uh, you know, we had, we were working with a concrete subcontractor who had a trailer on site. That trailer was in front of where we were going to install the temp electrical panels. And those temp electrical panels were a big uh, schedule item in our schedules, like a really big activity that led to like a bunch of things. And so he needed to move his trailer. I brought this up to like my project team, literally like this was probably like the first week on the job site. I say second day, but it was like first or second week. And I brought it up and I was like, guys, he needs to move his trailer. And they're like, yeah, Max, go ask him, go tell him to move his trailer. <laughs> so I go out to the site and I talk to the concrete foreman. He's like, Max, I'm going to move the trailer. Don't worry. I'll move it in two days. Don't worry about it. Like you got it, man. Go, go tell your project team. I go back and tell the project team and they just start cracking up, <laughs> rolling on the floor, laughing. And I'm just like, guys, like, what are you laughing about? Like, what's it, What's the big deal? They're like, Max. Okay. Look, he's lying completely. He's not going to move it. He's not going <laughs> to move it in two days. And I'm like, I was just so blown away. I was like, what do you mean? And like, actually long story short. So he didn't move it for two months. <laughs> we got, we basically, uh, you know, the schedule got pushed back. Like, I mean, a couple weeks and this all translated up to us telling the owner this. And so I'm like, okay, this is how this industry works. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's this inefficient that like, you know, this is standard practice. So anyways, obviously, yeah, as, as you guys know, it is standard practice, pretty much kind of all this stuff. And so I was blown away. And that was like my first impression on like, okay, something needs to be done to change this. And so, uh, in that rotational program during all of this, I decided to choose the field. Okay. Because I wanted to learn as much as possible. Uh, by the way, this was contrary to all the advice I was given. Everybody told me, get into project management. You want to dress nice, get into the office. And for some reason, something in my head was like, I don't think that's the route to really like learn this and like, see what happens. So I decided to be a superintendent, uh, three or four years passed. And basically I started using technology at Suffolk, anything I can get my hands on. Um, at the same time they were building the collabs that do you guys know about the collabs Did Aaron explain that to you? No. So, okay. This was around probably 2018, 2019 and essentially Suffolk made it their mission to build physical spaces in seven offices nationwide where it was like you, we called it like a team collaboration room filled with 
the latest state-of-the-art technology. Wow. So they did a massive investment in all of mm-hmm. these collabs. Well, actually, they called them smart labs at the time. Mm-hmm. And so there was this emerging position that was called the smart lab director, which was basically you sat in that room, you basically took care of it, and you know you you facilitated any teams that came in, and you also you know were part of the business development presentations to developers. And so again, came to another inflection point in my life where they offered me this position. And this may be some good advice for anybody um, young out there. So in my head, the construction tech tech world and just this tech world was like BS at the time. Oh my God, they're do- the guy's gonna. I'm gonna do nothing. I'm what gonna year sit was up. That? 2019, I think. Getting into 2020, late 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, that's BS. You're going to sit on your, you know, what all day, uh, X, Y, and Z. And this was the mentality I had in my head and the advice I was given. And so I came to the inflection point of like, do I stay on the field? Do I actually like work hard and do these things to be part of like these projects? Or do I get kind of into the space of, of construction tech? And so ultimately I decided to do the construction technology best decision of my life. All right. Because essentially what I'll tell everybody is, when you're on a project, you're in your own world, okay? If you're working for a big organization, you're not seeing everything mm-hmm. that's happening. And mm-hmm. so you're not really understanding like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so getting into that this tech position where I was privy to like a bunch of different jobs in the Southeast region, talking to them and understanding and seeing the big picture of construction, my world completely opened. Mm-hmm. So... And by the way, so then that position was first taking care of that space to then like COVID hit. And we basically were Mm -hmm. gas pedal trying to figure out what technologies actually work. And so it was seven of us nationwide. We evaluated like over 200, 300 solutions. We had like 100 pilots at one point. Um, I think we were the first company and the first people to be doing this stuff, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were you know, developing pilot programs, what actually works, what doesn't work, you know, trying to come up with ROI metrics. uh, And Mm. ultimately, like, we ended up coming up with three uh, technology solutions that got integrated into our standard operating procedures. So I know this is a really long story. But basically, in, in all of that, I had the two problems that I saw just emerging clear as day. First is obviously, construction industry is massively flawed. Something needs to be done. We got to do something. Can't just like live with it being bad and like stay inefficient. Like no way we got to do something about it. Uh And then there was this exposure to construction technology, all the opportunity that was out there at the time, but there was one limiting factor. So I would do these business development presentations for Suffolk and it literally played out like this. Like I was in the room with presidents and vice presidents the developer that we were pitching to and they would go, Max, talk about the cool shit that we do. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just me doing like the dog and pony show. Okay. Saying all the stuff we were doing, evaluating the solutions, talking about the space X, Y, and Z. And the conversation always ended with awesome, Max. Cool. We love your passion. Amazing. So cool. What you're doing. Don't care at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. exit out of the budget. Oh, you guys use open space. Cool. We don't care. We're not going to use that. 
too expensive. Do not put, yeah, do not put it in your general requirements. Do not put it in your general condition. And so that led to me saying, okay, passion industry is super messed up. The only way to actually do this, to really, really implement all of these technology solutions that will actually help and make construction more efficient is to do it from the development side where you basically have the say over everything. And it basically mm -hmm. creates a top-down approach. So maybe a little more to continue the story. While I was at Suffolk, I was doing those units that I talked about. Uh, it's 39 units. It was a 15-unit building, 24-unit building. Don't ask me how I did it, but somehow was managing all of those things. And they even put me back on the field at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I would do an inspection on one project at Suffolk and I'd be like, and I hope nobody listens to this, but I guess they are going to listen to it. From uh, Suffolk specifically. Yeah. I would be like, oh yeah, guys, I got to go to the store to get like something. And I would go do an inspection <laughs> at like hmm. the, the co-development project. And yeah, so do this kind of stuff though, right? I, I think yeah. It's like looking back, it's absolutely acceptable. But at the time you were like, a bit like, oh shit. No, it was super, like I was always worried 24 seven. Yeah. And then, so I guess, you know, that's where the passion comes from. And that's kind of the, the mission behind Knox. So Knox is the Latin word for night or before the dawn. And our mission is to usher in a new dawn for the industry. That's kind of the whole idea. And to do it from the ground up to basically, I have this really unique lens that I had from the Suffolk days. And I, we can talk about Ryan companies. I was there for a year and Everything that I learned at Suffolk, I translated there. So we could talk about that. Yeah, no, I think it would be good to understand. Um, <clears throat> what would be really super interesting for me is like what you, like how that kind of transition from uh, Suffolk into um, like real estate development, like how does that work in reality? Because I think a lot of people fantasize about being, uh, uh, doing like um, uh, uh, property or real estate development, however you want to call it. And even more so because, like you say, it gives you that control over like how you're, what technology and kind of stuff you're using. So, if there was like, like a some key sort of lessons or, or advice for people that want to go into real estate development on a similar path to you, then what would that be? I guess that's a great question. Um, it started with networking. So the first thing I did was go to ULI events, so Urban Land Institute. I don't think. I don't think that exists in the UK. It rings a bell, but maybe. So I uh, went to... Go ahead. No, I said I, I haven't come across. Yeah. So I went to those events. That was like my initial starting point. Um, and I basically found a group of people that wanted to do small development projects, specifically in Miami where I was located. And so we would meet every week. Uh, we'd go happy hour or drinks or coffee. And we would just talk about like, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? Uh, and so in all of that, I realized that, so I'm not going to say I got lucky, but I knew somebody that was already in development. Mm. So this is kind of the key, right? Like to mm -hmm. get, really get that experience is to find somebody that is doing development and essentially invest in the project and then possibly offer to, to manage construction for them. So that's what I did. And I ended up getting the experience based on that. But there was a lot more to it, right? Because, you know, I manage construction, but how do I still make the flip from investor construction manager to like doing it full time myself? Yeah. And so, man, that took a lot of days and nights of basically, first overnight of all, success. <laughs> yeah, like it, not overnight at all, but basically figuring out 
I think I thought was was very important was to be able to do real estate development pro formas. So this was like number one thing that I was like, oh my God, this is impossible. This is so overwhelming. This is and actually, okay, let me back backtrack. So kind of three pieces of advice. Um first of all, it's not rocket science. And I guess this translates into construction as well. So if you're getting into the construction industry. And you're overwhelmed by drawings and engineering and all this stuff. It's not rocket science. This was one of the first things I learned. You sit down, you start getting to it, you start reading drawings, you start, uh, you download a real estate development pro forma from online. You can find a bunch of them. You reverse engineer it. You see the formulas that are in the Excel sheets, and you start creating your own uh, real estate development pro forma. Or you know, you start analyzing construction documents. It's kind of the same realm, and so. None of it is rocket science. Um, and so that's, you know, I did that for while I was at Suffolk and then while I was at Ryan, just constantly learning, adjusting. Uh, and then I guess, you know, once I had, first of all, the development experience. So tying back to what I spoke about, the operating agreement. So that is mm-hmm. key, right? Like get, try to get your hands on an existing operating agreement and read it and just understand like how this thing is really structured. And so that'll lead to, if you have construction experience, you now have probably 70% of a real estate development project. And then you need like that 30%, which is the financing Mm -hmm. and the connections and the networking. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I spent days and nights doing that. My recent opportunity, which is the latest project we're working on, I met a landowner who was interested in developing his property. And I basically came up with a, like, called it a proposal for him of what what we see the exit value, what we can actually do, uh, analyzing the zoning code, you know, putting together a performa and just preparing it for him and saying, Hey, look, let's work together to do this. And it, it happened. So just having that, uh, built in knowledge of all this stuff that you've kind of generated over the years, that's, what's going to give you, get you into the space. But the networking is the key because without networking would have never met the landowner, would have never met the small development group. So and we all wouldn't have spoken as well. There you go. Max. Networking um, is the magic in construction, I believe. Anyway, I, got a que- I got a question about uh, mistakes. Have you, what, what kind of key mistakes have you made uh, or things that you would have done differently um, that you can share with us? For sure. By the way, nothing I would have done differently. It wouldn't have led me to talking to you guys today. But <laughs> if the, some of the things I did learn along the way, it's actually only one thing. And it's... Uh, being positive. Mm. That's, this was like the biggest change for me. So on that first project at Suffolk, the 53 story building that I mentioned, we would have like daily meetings. And every time it got to me, I always like, you know, they'd say like, Max, what's your update for the day? X, Y, and Z. So every time I would speak in these meetings, it was either blaming a subcontractor (laughs) blaming somebody else on the team. We're never going to get it done. It's all falling apart, X, Y, and Z. And that would always lead to, first of all, me feeling terrible the rest of the day. So this was like in our morning meetings mm-hmm. and leading and like leading to other arguments that we'd have like, you know, across the project. And so I would do that. I did that for years and like suffered. And I, I realized now like, oh my God, that, I mean, it led me to where I am now. But the biggest change I saw was 
okay, I did that project with Suffolk, the Ritz Carlton. I did a couple other projects, got into the tech world. They put me back on the field. When I went back to the field and kind of had this whole mindset shift, I found myself in the exact same situation, daily meetings, Max, what's your update? And the change I made was, we're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. It'll be done by the end of the week. We're taking care of it now. Do you guys need anything else from me? And all of a sudden, everybody in the meeting was just like, who is this guy? A hundred percent. And it was so mind blowing to me because I know who I am. I know what I've gone through. And then all of a sudden I made that shift, that, that mindset shift and everything changed. And, and so the key lesson is like, you know, if you're first getting into the industry, you're going to have some frustrations because you don't have the knowledge and experience. But once you have that knowledge and experience, do not lean on negativity. People love to lean on negativity in this industry. No, do the opposite and watch your world change. I think a key trait of uh, leaders in success is that they're very always looking at the future and like how things could go rather than dwelling on the past about how it should have been um, and how it could have been. So yeah, nice. So with with Knox then, like and and even touching on the experience you have with uh, in Suffolk and and, and uh, assessing the technologies that were out available in in the uh, in in the world, where are we with construction tech? <laughs> oh my God, Owen, you're asking me that question. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll tell you where we are with construction tech in terms of like what I'm seeing right now. So I try to talk to construction technology startups all the time just to kind of keep my my uh, finger on the pulse of like what's happening. So first of all, for sure, there's tech fatigue. Um, And just actually, let me go back to this. So Suffolk, when I transitioned to Ryan companies for a year, I came in full-time as an innovation manager. And I'll tell you, okay, for sure, from that experience, the top 100 ENR contractors are all trying to figure it out still. Mm. Nobody has this thing like, okay, we do innovation this way. We work this way. They can say that. I know, okay, just from experience, likely everyone's still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I think the industry is leaning more towards practical solutions, mm-hmm. very simple, easy to use. And maybe I'm leaning towards that too. So that's why I'll say it. But basically anything that like doesn't require extra work. So I saw that firsthand is like, okay, here's a technology. You have to spend five hours to save six hours. And it's like, is this even worth the project team's time to learn? Yeah. To learn and like integrate into existing processes. So, man, this conversation can go a couple different ways. (laughs) Uh, But I would say we want the real stuff, how things really are. I remember what we said about uh, looking forward. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, the top 100 ENR contractors are still trying to figure it out. I think the startups are still trying to figure it out as well. Uh, I believe AI, and I know that's a super big buzzword, but I can see firsthand how that's really going to help. So, I'll just give you like an example, right? Um, So, I manage most of the real estate development projects right now, like before it gets into construction in Dropbox. All my folders are there. Everything is there. And so, you know, you see a couple solutions that are developing 
uh, AI, like things like Constructable, Raycava, these these new startups that basically integrate with your existing document systems and email and make it searchable. So I think that, as simple as it sounds, is really going to start changing the workflows of people in construction. You also see Procore is developing, I think they released their their beta of a, a searchable, basically, database inside of Procore. Yeah, and so... Copilot coming out too. Yeah, Copilot, that's what it's called. Mm. And so these are the things that are very exciting. Simple, <clears throat> easy solutions that don't need an ROI. So this is a... I guess this is something funny to say. So I used to always say this. I, want, I would actually love to get your, you guys' thoughts on this. So, okay, back in the day, you know, if you wanted to research something, you had to go to the library and, like, go to the encyclopedia section and, like, research what you wanted to, to find out, right? Then computers came along. And so we had the internet. And now we don't need to go to the library. We can just research, okay, hey, look, X, Y, and Z is happening. Then mobile phones came out. You don't even need to be home to research all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Nobody, as they were developing the computer, the internet, the phone was saying, oh, well, what's the ROI on like, (laughs) you know, that, oh, they spent X amount of time going to the library. Like nobody was asking about it because all it was was technology that improved existing processes yes and, and so this is this is these are all byproducts of this technology like what we experience in our lives correct and it's just making things easier so i see this like ai searchable database kind of uh functionality that's or technology that's coming out as something that's like a true game changer into the workflows mm. but then you have kind of these single point solutions like i'm really excited about reality capture i think um as that gets more automated, we're going to have a lot of data at our fingertips to make better decisions. But we're like five years, 10 years out till that really gets like fully mass adopted. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we're at, Owen. <laughs> so Max, good um, question. So um, technology and property development business, what do you think, what are your thoughts on, on the scale of projects that can be... Um, touched with uh, technology. Um, so, so are we talking about small, medium-sized projects? Let's say, I don't know, from zero to 10 million. Or are we talking about projects which are 100 million and, and more? Um, where, the techno- where the tech is, is designed to uh, make an impact? It's, look, it, it should be making a bigger impact on projects that are sub 10 million. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the margins are not uh, enough to be able to really formulate and put together like an encouraging tech stack. I'll give you my specific example. Those two projects, the 15 unit and 24 unit projects are sub $3 million projects. Mm-hmm. And we used open space and plan grid. And that was pushing it. That was like, you know, we were like, okay, we can't really mm-hmm. use uh, anything else. Uh, just because the margins are, are that tight in construction and real estate development too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the same, it's almost the same amount of margins, maybe a little higher, just depending on, on what you do. Mm-hmm. But I think the most impact that all of this technology that's coming out, it's going to basically impact projects that can afford it. So I would say sub 50 million uh, to, or like 25 to 50 million. So that 
you can probably afford some good amount of tech technology. Mm-hmm. For the bigger guys, hundred million and up, there's just so much tech fatigue that I'm not <laughs> even sure what like is going to be beneficial to them. I think again, just going back to the AI, the most simple stuff that's out there. That's what's really going to start changing the game. Mm-hmm. And we saw that at Ryan Companies. We did like a big survey about uh, ChatGPT and how people were using it. And a lot of people were were using it just for their daily workflows. And that was actually really surprising from the innovation side. We didn't expect so many people to be using it. And so, yeah, I hope that yeah. answers your question, Martin. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a great so, answer. How do you uh, measure ROI on these, or you don't measure ROI on on, on these projects using this mm-hmm. open space, for example, and and the other, um, the other software? So, because in my view is there is so much software <clears throat> that um, charges the contractor uh, based on the value of the contract. So, um, if you keep stacking these, like let's say points of percent. Um, by yeah. buying by buying software or buying technology, you end up with quite a big chunk of money that will have to be spent on on just technology. And it's it's great to say that oh, I use a lot of tech and we are tech enabled, whatever. But what is the real um, what is the real ROI on that? Um, and does it does it not make the building or the project more expensive uh, if there's no real ROI? So these are my questions that I battle with um, for uh, for some time. Yeah, and it makes sense. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm in, in... Okay, you can consider me an emerging developer, right? Like four years in, three or four years in, um, processes are still currently being built. Mm-hmm. The way I'm looking at technology is not through that ROI lens. So I think that lens, okay, is... If I'm an existing developer, if I'm an existing contractor, 20 years in the business, I have processes already that I've developed over the years that have given me bottom line dollars, right? My business has succeeded. I'm good the way I am. So when I get introduced technology, I'm like, oh, you know, what's the ROI? I've already done business for X amount of time. Why do I need to introduce these new things? So the way I'm looking at it is we're building the processes with technology from day one. So again, it goes back to like the the research and library stuff. It's like, there is no ROI. This is just the way we do things. We are always going to use open space or any reality capture. We are always going to use any AI to help us kind of like look for properties or any of this, these things. So ROI is not really being calculated at all for anything that I'm working on. It's just already integrated into the processes. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question a little bit, for open space <laughs> on on the on one of these uh, projects, we we used it and we covered up some outlets with drywall, and we were able to go back to the virtual job site, see where those outlets were. And know and like understand if we actually installed the box or we didn't install the box to be able to cut out the drywall. Mm-hmm. We didn't do like a cost savings. Oh, that saved us X amount of time, mm-hmm. but we know that did save us some dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'll tell you, look, all the top 100 ENRs say they're tracking ROI. 
they're doing it through Microsoft surveys. Okay. They're asking project teams, Mm -hmm. how much time are you saving? And then they're calculating that based on their salary and then coming up with these ROI Mm -hmm. metrics. So plus I think the, uh, the ROI is just like a marketing term more than anything. Like how do you like someone claims to save you X thousands or time, like how on earth are they even proving that? Like yeah, but in, in the business, it's that's what's what is important, right? For people who who are stakeholders um, or investors, so uh, that's what people look at, right? If if I know X number of property developers, everyone is focused on money, yeah. And so and that's mm. that, that that's what they that's what they search for. No, but it actually shows <clears throat> that you are as a like a new generation of property developers, you are very focused on on technology. And I'm sure I would never, ever hear the answer like you gave from anyone being 21, 25 years in the business. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, Plus like also RFI, ROI is also hard in, on the basis that when we spoke to Arnie um, from Finland, they designed and they designed and ultimately built the biggest office block in Finland at the time with 92 megabytes of memory on a computer. And they said the computer was the size of a fridge. And so like every computer that came out after that, everyone's like, what's the ROI? What's the ROI? What's the ROI? Mm. Well, nothing because you're still getting a decent office block at the end of it. So it's like, yeah, is ROI even, even a, uh, even a thing. And it's kind of what you touched on earlier, Max, actually. Um, mm. so my, my feeling back full circle. My feeling on the ROI is that you can measure it very well. If this is a repetitive task, and the tech is with uh, replacing this repetitive task, and there is a huge value or huge volume of this repetitive task. That's what we can easily measure ROI on this particular task. But I agree that on the whole project is is a bit tricky. Mm. Yeah, and by the way, this kind of ties into some of the stuff I wrote in that context sales guide. So yeah. how we Go more lo- yeah how we look at it is again not ROI, but basically like nice to have versus must have solutions. Mm -hmm. So a must have solution replaces like a must do process, a must do process that gets me to bottom line money, right? Like, like you mentioned. So for example, the beginning of a real estate development project is me finding a piece of land, uh, is me generating a pro forma and coming up with a preliminary design. I'm sure in the next three to five years, there's going to be and I think there is already, there's some solutions that told me they do this already, but I'm again, a little hesitant, Mm -hmm. but like, if there's a solution that can find me uh, land that can build X, Y, and Z amount of units that I'm looking to build 240, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it can generate a pro forma for me based on existing for sale comps or existing, uh, rental, uh, comparables and can do a preliminary design for me. Like I'm testing that solution immediately. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that is a must do process. And that is something that needs to be replaced and can save me and the rest of the people on my team time from doing that. Cause that's like the bloodline. But then you have like nice to have solutions, which is like a drone flying over my construction site and telling me my earthwork, you know, my cubic yards, like cool dude. But that's like, mm. you know, it's nice to have. So that's more kind of, and then like, I'm not going to be tracking the ROI on that process at the beginning. It's replacing the process. That's mm-hmm. it. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. more like how we look at it. 
Sure. There is, by the way, there is a company in the UK called Hestia who does that, or they try to do that, which is finding a land and then suggesting the construction type uh, for the particular land. And there's some other stuff that they do as well. I think they are primarily focused on uh, modular. Okay. 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 Um, You touched upon the sales guide, um, Max, there. Any more uh, insights um, from that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, I wrote that uh, as part of contact reviews. So maybe I'll just talk a little bit about uh, contact reviews. Contact but basically, com. yeah, contactreviews.com. Great, great domain, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. So that came from um, problem number two while I was at uh, Suffolk and Ryan, which was, and even now, um, how do we know if a solution actually like works and is good and is something that we'd want to use. Again, we look at it a bunch of different ways, nice to have versus must have. But, you know, if I'm going to a restaurant and I, you know, or I'm planning to go to a restaurant, planning to take my girlfriend to a place. Okay, let's check if it's good. How do we check if the place is good? Yelp review, Google reviews. We see the pictures of the food that's there. Okay, let's go. So this really doesn't exist for any construction technology. And so while I was at Suffolk and Ryan, I wished that I had this. The only thing we did have was basically the startup would approach us and say, oh, yeah, we worked with whoever, I don't know, TPR, Hensel Phelps, these companies, reach out to them. And so we would call their innovation team and just talk to them. Yeah, it works. Of course. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're using it on X, Y and Z. And that still didn't really give me the feedback that I wanted the feedback that I really want is, okay, who's the project manager on the project using that solution? How are they using it? Why are they using it? And how is it working for them? This is super valuable as from an innovation standpoint in determining, okay, we can test this. We can put a little less risk on testing these types of solution. And so a website like that didn't exist. So that's why I built contact reviews. Uh, it's free to use. Anybody can go on there, leave a review. Uh, the idea was to help innovation teams, but also help startups. If your solution's good, you get good reviews. Out there. Yeah. Period. You know, so yeah. I've got a mixed feedback on whether that's a good or bad thing. Um, and then, so as part of that, so that was like, you know, I did that very quickly, developed the website. It's more become kind of like a content um, way for me to get out there as well and keep my finger on the pulse, like I say. So that's why I wrote a kind of a sales guide as part of contact reviews to basically like just provide all the knowledge that I've learned over these last few years. Cause I also, you know, as an innovation team at Suffolk and Ryan, like we're basically selling internally to project teams. So a startup will talk to us and then we have to do the same sales pitch that the startup gave us to the project team. So I learned a lot of like that sales cycle and how it works and, you know, it can be anything from six months to 24 months till somebody closes a deal. And so that's what's in that sales guide. It also demystifies like construction budgets, um, you know, for any startups that are out there that don't have any construction experience. It should help you a lot just understanding where that money even comes from. And that's the idea is just basically contact reviews is going to be a content portal for startups and, and anything that could help out the space, really. Go ahead. Yeah. So would you, uh, what are the exciting technologies that you see that should be used, absolutely should be used by every 
contractor, you can pick the bracket between zero and 10 million or 10 million, 100 million or above. Or, and that's part of the question. Another part is what are technologies that you see will emerge in the future that seem to be interesting for you? Yeah, I think everybody should use a, a, a reality capture solution, which is why even on the sub $3 million projects, we were using uh, open space. And it's not only because like, oh, it's going to give me an ROI, but the interesting kind of long-term outlook on all of it is like, we're so early stages in like reality capture, like open space didn't blow up to like 2019, instruction site didn't blow up, Cupix, Doxel, all of these companies till like a couple of years ago. So imagine you are a, a contracting company and you have 10 years of virtual job site data. So if you're not using it now, yeah. imagine like just what the future is going to be in 10 years with all the data you've captured on your job site. Like that is like, it's going to be monumental in the ways we're going to be able to look at job sites when you have 10 years worth of this reality capture data. And so I wouldn't suggest like, there's programs out there that have computer vision that look at your reality capture and then do like quick analysis on it on progress and X, Y, and Z. Those are great solutions. But I think ultimately capture reality, capture what's going on. And that is going to be so exciting in 10 years when those computer vision solutions begin to really catch up. And now you can actually use them for like making decisions. And ultimately, we are going to get to a point where you have a job site command center and you can almost do everything virtually as long as you have the, the you know, reality capture data. I think that's the most exciting uh, right now. Brilliant. And then robotics. But we can, that's a whole, I'll talk three wow. hours about that. Yeah, that's a really exciting uh, space. But unfortunately, we don't have time. So round two, we can uh, focus on robotics. Yeah, well, but, uh, that went way faster than I thought. It always does, yeah, unfortunately. Um, question. If you carry on DJing, living in your friend's uh, couch, <laughs> couch, where do you think you'd be right now? Probably the same spot. Still on the couch. No, Destin. <laughs> no, I'd be talking to you still. Somehow oh, okay, it would, cool. it would have ended up, this is, that's why those inflection points are important, but ultimately your path is mm. it's not that it's written out already, but you were going to get to the same spot. You were going to get to one way or another. Mm -hmm. And your, your, uh, you do personal development Sundays, which is a post that I see you do consistently. I can't say consistently because I don't like log in every Sunday and check it, but Hey, I see that a lot of Sundays is up there. Um, what would you say is your favorite personal development tip? If that's even possible to, uh, to ask. A, I think something, something if you personally, yeah, something that's very important to realize and understand is that everything that you see around you in this world is a thought and was a thought before it was created. The computer we were on, somebody thought about it and then it came to material reality. Mm -hmm. So with that notion in mind, if you look around at your life, you essentially created your life mm -hmm. through your thoughts. That's very good. So if you can go back and, you know, just look at that from a holistic perspective, control your thoughts, make them positive and your entire life will change. Mm -hmm. It'll take some time, but if you consistently focus on good clean, honest thoughts, 
you will create a good, clean, honest life for yourself. And that practice can be applied to anything else. You want to be wealthy. You want to be healthy. You want to be abundant. All of these things think like that and it'll become reality in the material world. All right. Brilliant. What an end. <laughs> okay, Max. So, well, last question. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I guess uh, I don't know my LinkedIn URL. Jesus, I should have probably had that prepared. I have it. Uh, it's Ma Maximiliano Sanchez. I'm guessing you're probably one of the only Maximiliano Sanchez's in the world. So, Yeah, so Maximiliano, uh, parentheses, Max Sanchez on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also go to my website, knoxdevelopmentgroup.com or contactreviews.com. Um, I'm always posting on LinkedIn. I'm always open to, to speaking with construction technology startups other developers, and also any investment firms that are looking into the space. My mission, again, is to usher in a new dawn for the industry and, and really practically like change things for the better. Let's go. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next episode.